Hello and happy Thanksgiving, Libra friends. I'm Lieberman, and this is the Ask Libs podcast. I hope that you're enjoying yourself. You're having a lovely holiday. It's a special, wonderful, autumnal time of the year in America. Uh, not necessarily everywhere. Canada already had their Thanksgiving. I don't know how many other countries do a Thanksgiving, or if that's just a thing that we do here in North America. Uh, this is the show where I answer people's questions, answer your emails about everything, makeups, breakups, shakeups, depression, anxiety, you name it, comedy, YouTube. Uh, if someone wants to ask me uh, for great pizza restaurants uh, across the country, I could do that too. I can do some research and make that happen for you. It just typically it winds up being more of an advice show and less of a talk show. Uh, but I'm just reminding you, you can ask me whatever you want. Uh, I, I hope you're all having a great holiday, or if it's not a holiday for you, uh, that you're enjoying yourself. I'm putting this episode up, uh, day one on YouTube for everybody, uh, cause it's a fucking holiday, and why, why wouldn't I do that? Um, I, I wanna just thank, you know, not only the awesome Patreon supporters, but everybody, uh, who's a member of the Libra Friends community, or even if you don't consider yourself a Libra Friend, you're just a lurker, casual watcher, casual listener, new person, welcome, welcome. I, I, I effing love you. So don't don't even denigrate yourself like that. If you listen to this show, uh, I consider you to be my Libra Friend. Um, how am I doing? Uh, I'm shooting this a few weeks in advance, so I'm like, I'm trying to place like like who I'll be when this episode comes out. I know that I will be uh, aggressively trying to make this turkey happen. I always make the turkey for the Thanksgiving uh, that I go to every year. This will be, I believe, my fourth turkey. Um, so it's a big deal. I'm going to spatchcock the turkey, which means you like you take the backbone out and you crush the breastbone so it lies flat and you get more crispy skin that way. It's the best way to cook a turkey. Um, but now I'm actually like living with uh with my girlfriend with denise she's she's vegetarian and last year uh, making this turkey destroyed my kitchen there was just like it was just raw turkey on somehow every last surface of my kitchen was somehow coated in raw turkey because it was like still half frozen i'm trying to hack out the backbone so i could turn it into into freaking gravy Uh, absurd but uh hopefully everything will work out i'm sure that it will um, and uh, the theme of this episode is recognition. This is a time of year to recognize all of the things that we have that we're grateful for, that we're thankful for, um, and all of the blessings that are in our lives. And sometimes it's really, really hard. Sometimes you get so caught up in the negativity in the things that didn't go your way in the past year or the things that are weighing on you that it's hard to remember everything that we have, you know, that our limbs work, that we can breathe, that our heart doesn't have a condition, that we have, you know, potentially parents and f- or friends or a uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or something in between, um, that we have passion, that we have a computer with access to the internet, um, that we have a phone that works, like that we have fucking shoes. Sometimes you need to just stop. I I don't do this as much as I would like to, but sometimes I'll stop and I'll just make a gratitude list. And it's a very soothing, uh, quick exercise. And like you start feeling stupid because like, you're listing lots and lots of small things because um, you're like, what am I grateful for? And it's like you know, getting down to like, I'm grateful that I have shoelaces. Um, there's so many little small things that we do have and we do have access to that seem... Uh, that we forget our gifts. Everything is a gift. Time is a gift. 
And maybe, you know, we should start treating it that way a little more often. So uh, the emails today range from asking for recognition from other people for the work that you do, recognizing uh, when a part of yourself may be holding you back from your career goal, or maybe recognizing that the relationship that you're in isn't something that you want anymore. Let's hear our first story right now. Hi, Matt. I've been watching your videos for some time and appreciate the effort and time you spend on your viewers and supporters. I'm currently in a relationship with my partner that's been going on for over three years. We're both currently 20 years old and studying at different universities, coming up to the completion of our bachelor's at the end of this year. We're both looking at doing further study. Uh, the issue is I'm unsure as to whether I I'm in love with him anymore and whether I'm sexually attracted to him still. When I'm with him, I certainly enjoy my time in his company, and there are definitely moments when I fear an o feel an overwhelming love for him still. But when I'm at home without him, I find myself disconnected from these feelings as I feel I'm less strong as I feel less strongly towards him. It is as though I only really love him when I'm with him, and most other times this is less the case. This is an issue as we spend more time apart than we do with each other, so I'm confused as to where I emotionally stand with this. I don't want to lead him on if I'm not truly in love with him, but I don't particularly want to end our relationship if there's still some potential and I would be losing a good thing. Okay, few things. One, you're in a long-distance relationship. That shit's going to happen. Let's be clear. I don't know how far apart these different universities are, but you say you spend more time apart than you do together. Uh, so, of course, you're going to enjoy your time when you're together as opposed to when you're apart. Um, it's go it, The problem with all long-distance relationships, and if you, if you listen to this show regularly, you know my position, which is that uh, there's nothing necessarily wrong with a long-distance relationship, but you are setting yourself up for potentially failure and certainly a more difficult road than you would have if you were in the same town or the same city because you would be growing together instead of living separate lives and then coming together and trying to preserve something until you can be together formally. But if, it's seen, but if you're continuing further study and you're both 20, that means you have two more years of, re of regular college and then you're going to go for your master's degrees, uh, God knows where, hopefully together, but maybe not. So you're asking me if you should sustain a long-distance relationship where the importance of daily communications and communication, being in touch, making each other feel loved becomes more and more and more and more important and more and more and more and more difficult as you continue to build these separate lives, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be hard. Now, I don't necessarily know that you don't love this guy or that you aren't attracted to him, but being apart, if he is not giving you love in the way that you process it, it's going to be very hard to maintain your affection for him. And it's going to hard, be hard to remain connected to him. There's a concept um, that uh, the author of The Five Love Languages talks about in that book, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, which is the idea of the love tank. When we feel loved by our partner or, or by a parent or, or somebody, uh, that emotional love tank fills. And when it's filled to the brim, we are feeling the most loved we possibly can. And we're very, very happy. And we're going to feel very strongly about the other person. And the five love languages themselves, I've reviewed them on this show before, but let's just do it again real quick. Um, the five love languages, quality time, uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving of gifts, and physical intimacy, physical contact. So obviously, you're not really getting any physical contact because you're living apart. When you're around each other, you get it, but uh, regardless, 
do you know what your love language is off of hearing those those things? How do you express your love for your partner? If you express it by telling them how much you love them, uh, it could be that that's what you want to hear in return, and that would make you feel loved is to hear from your partner how much they mean to how much you mean to them. If it's acts of service, if you like doing things for your partner to make them happy, is he doing things to make you happy? Is he making your life easier or better, even from far away? If it's gift giving, when's the last time he sent you flowers? When's the last time he sent you something sweet and special and small, even handmade, because of something that you guys talked about one time? Um, whatever your language is, if he's not communicating with you and expressing love in that way, it's going to be very hard to maintain your feelings, especially when you're apart for so long. Um, now you can work on this with him. I, I think that it deserves a conversation, a check-in, a brutally honest check-in that isn't a breakup conversation. You're not calling or Skyping to break up with your boyfriend. You're calling to be like, hey, I feel these feelings and this absence. I don't know what's going on. This is scary. That's something that you are allowed to and you're supposed to be able to feel comfortable with discussing with a partner. Like, that's not taboo. A lot of people are like, you can't just do that because then it's we're going to break up. Sure, there's a fear that it will lead to a breakup, but it's only going to lead to a breakup if either A you both realize that you're supposed to, or B, one of you stops communicating or gives up and it's just like, this is too hard, and then breaks it off with the other person. And it could be that that's what you want. I don't know. I am just telling you, you need to have a discussion, you need to be honest, and you need to decide for yourself, do I want to continue to put my time into a long-distance relationship that will eat up another quarter of my life? You're 20, four years, or not a quarter, a fifth of my life. And then it would become a sixth of your life, a sixth more of your life, four more years at least of long distance between the rest of undergrad into grad school and maybe further. God knows. Doesn't really sound like the most fun thing to me. And if you're already feeling checked out, maybe that's a signal that you have to follow. The one thing I don't want you to do is operate from a place of fear and either A, break up with them immediately because you're afraid of how hard it's going to be to maintain this thing. Or B, you're so afraid of never finding anyone else like him that you don't break up with him even though you're miserable. Both of those, bad options. You're going to figure it out for yourself. Follow your gut. Be honest. Good luck. This next email comes from a Libra friend who is not being recognized for the work that she does for her school's theater program, and she's struggling with it. She's struggling, you know, am I supposed to feel this way? Am I supposed to just let this happen? Um, Am I in the wrong here? What should I do? Let's hear her story right now. Hi, Matt. Thanks for providing an outlet for all of us Libra friends. What you do makes the world better, and we are all grateful for that. I have a question for you that requires some background. I joined my high school's drama program last year. I thought that it would be fun, but come the spring production, I realized that I hadn't been credited in the playbill for any of the offstage work I did. I designed the sets and many of the props. In fact, the director slash producer who controls the whole program had credited other people for work I did. I didn't think much of it then. But now, we just performed our fall show for the first time. I designed the poster and actually adapted one of the scenes from other media, but my name was still not in the playbill. I know that it isn't a big deal, but I feel like I'm being shafted. 
I've talked to the director about this, but she yelled at me for being selfish and told me I wasn't credited because my work was too small to merit a mention. In a broader sense, my question is this. What should I do when I'm not being recognized for the work I'm doing? None of the other kids work as hard as I do for the program. She assigns me all this extra work, and I think I at least deserve a credit for the time I put in. At this point, I'm feeling less and less attached to the program, and I may drop it. I still want to be involved in drama, but there's not really an alternative as this person controls the whole department of my school, which is rather small. I just don't know if it's worth my time if the work I do is being passed off as someone else's. Thanks for putting up with this long email. It so wasn't. I hope you'll understand if I prefer to remain anonymous. Everyone is. Everyone who writes in is anonymous. Okay. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up that not only are you not getting credit, but that the director-producer is giving credit to someone else. That's the part that is really more of an outrage. The question I pose to you is, does it matter to you that you get credit? And it seems like from you writing this that it does. You know, some people, their advice to you would be, um, you know, you should be learn to be happy with the work that you're doing, whether or not you get credit. And that's kind of horseshit, right? Because of course you want credit. You worked hard. You want to at least, you know, even if it's not so that other people know, you want to be able to use it someday in a resume or, or something like that. Or at the very least, you want to know that the people that you work for appreciate you because it's shitty that they don't. Um, you want to stay in this drama program, you're going to have to deal with this other person. My advice to you would be, uh, if you're not getting credit for your work, don't do the work that she asks you to do. You say, when she brings you a ton of extra work, I'm not going to do that because you won't credit me for my stuff. And then you called me selfish for wanting recognition for the things that I do, which I don't think is unreasonable. You also should know that no one else is going to be able to do that extra work as well as I do. This drama program won't function as well as it does with me helping you if you choose to go with someone else. So you can either A, apologize for telling me that, uh, that my feelings don't matter, first of all, and give me credit for future work that I do when it merits it. Or you can go with someone else and uh, I'm not going to do this program anymore. I'm not going to help you. You're using me. That's fucked up. Period. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a student. I'm just a student. But even students, maybe you're not giving credit to everybody for all the work that they're doing. That's fine. Giving credit to other people for the work that I did, I'm not okay with. And I think it's screwed up, and you're going to live with that. Whether that matters to you or not, uh, it's really screwed up what you did. I don't know. You don't want to be too much of a drama queen because, like, you don't want any kind of, like, backlash from it. But if, if it is important for you to get credit, then you should stand up for yourself and get what you deserve. If you decide, you know what? just being involved matters more to me than getting credit. And I, it's just like, I can't let this go that I want credit. Um, then you need to ask yourself, does it matter that much? Does it really matter? Because to some people it doesn't. And in some cases it shouldn't. I have, I've dealt with this a lot in my life. There was recently a situation that I'm not going to get into for various reasons where I put in a lot of work on something that was very well received and I will never receive credit for it. Um, and it stung a lot 
even though when I took the job, when I took the work, which I was not paid for, I knew that I wasn't going to get credit. But then the thing was finished and it came out and people really, really liked it. Uh, a lot of the reason why was because of a lot of the changes that I made, what I brought to it. And then I decided after the fact, no, I want credit. I want credit. I want, at the very least, I want the people that I worked for to recognize to my face that I made it a better thing. They didn't, and they won't. In fact, the person who asked me to help in the first place uh, to my face said, all of the, no, we didn't use any of your stuff. When my stuff, I would say, amounts to at least 40% of the finished product of the thing. Not even half, but a sizable chunk. It really pissed me off. And it, it fucked with me for days. What I ultimately realized and decided is that the people that I worked for, even if they won't admit it, or worked with, even if they won't admit it, know that the only reason that the thing that they made was, any, was as good as it was was because of what I brought to it. If they receive any further opportunities because of that thing, uh, then it doesn't really, it doesn't matter if they credit me or not. The next thing that they make won't be as good, and they'll have to live with that. And even if my name's not on the thing, I am proud of what I brought to it and what it ultimately became. And I do find satisfaction in that. And I know that my time will come and that there are other opportunities out there and, and yada yada. I also know that I'm never going to do that level of work for those people ever again for no money and no credit. So you really just have to take a second and decide for yourself what matters more, the satisfaction that the thing is good and that I'm good at what, what I can do and I know that I have these skills that I can then use for myself or apply somewhere else where I can get more credit or getting credit on this particular thing? Is it something that you just can't live without? You got to decide for yourself and you got to act from there. I'm sorry that the director producer is being a real dick to you. That's a huge bummer. Um, but I hope you resolve it and I hope that I was able to help you with my response. Take care. Our final question comes from a New York City comedian who is struggling with mental illness and is concerned that if he gets help, he won't be funny anymore. A lot of comedians have dealt with this. I've dealt with this. I think it's time to hear his story right now. Hey, Matt. I didn't know where else to turn to because I have this huge weight to get through and I trust you. Well, thanks. I'm trying to break into stand-up comedy in New York as well as doing some stuff on YouTube, but I'm battling with some kind of mental illness. It's not life-threatening, but it is getting in the way of my life. I've stopped going to classes at college. I don't leave my dorm room except to go to class. I'm not eating regularly, and if I do eat, I binge on shit because it's cheap. I really want to get help, but the problem is that I'm afraid I, that if I get help, I won't be funny anymore. I've always recognized it as a defense mechanism all the way back to high school. But I fear that if I get healthy, I won't have a reason to put up my defenses and I won't be funny anymore. I love doing comedy and making people laugh more than anything, including myself, which is, I guess is why I'm putting myself through this. Being on SNL or The Daily Show or something like that really is my dream and I have the drive to work for it. But if I hate myself along the way, is it worth it? Thanks for everything you do, Matt. P.S. I'm sorry I missed you guys while you were in New York. I tried to get a ticket to SourceFed Live, but it didn't work out. I hope I can see you guys sometime, though. Until then, thanks for making awesome com content. It really helps. Well, thank you. Uh, 
I've dealt with this same issue, and a lot of comics and comedians of, of various kinds have dealt with mental illness, and the question of, does my mental illness make me funnier? Uh, or does, is that where my comedy comes from? I legitimately had this quandary when I first moved to L.A. when I was still doing stand-up, and I was miserable, and I was depressed. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I, I, I worked through it. I'm still working through it. I'm still dealing. I still have dysthymia. Um, but making my life better and taking better care of myself didn't make me less funny. If you're funny, you're funny. Yeah, maybe you have to figure out a different way to tell your jokes or a different way to access your sense of humor. But no, your mental illness is not what makes you funny. A lot of comedians wrestle with that. But like, if you listen to they've they've addressed this on Mark Maron's podcast and on uh, Pete Holmes's podcast, it's just not true. And you're not going to get to SNL or The Daily Show if you treat yourself like crap and hate yourself and are on the verge of a breakdown by the time you're 25. Let me be clear about that. If you have the drive to succeed, um, then you're going to succeed. Period. Half of, in my opinion, what, what gets you to where you want to go and what got me to where I am, it's a combination of always putting out positive energy into the world and saying, this is what I want, I'm going to go for it, and working really fucking hard. Um, which it sounds like you're already doing the second thing. Learning to love yourself and learning to be okay with who you are isn't going to make comedy less accessible. I know uh, that, like, Will Haynes and I have talked about this at certain points where he's like, you know, he said, like, over a year ago that, like, uh, people who are miserable are funnier. And people who are dealing with, with that kind of shit are always funnier than people who are happy. And a lot of people feel that way. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I do think that you have access to more relatable things to talk about when you're miserable. Because everyone knows what it's like to be miserable. Not everyone knows what it's like to be happy. And misery uh, is, I think, easier to mine for laughs than happiness. Because you're you're directly addressing something that's uncomfortable, right? The, the, our dissatisfaction with what we have, the fact that we have so much and yet it's not enough or that we're incapable of doing X, Y, and Z when other people seem to be doing it just fine. Everyone knows what it's like to feel that way. So you have that connection. And there's this concern that if uh, you're not using comedy as a defense mechanism and life's okay, you're not going to feel as driven to use it and you're not going to be able to use it as effectively. And I definitely had to relearn what was funny and how to get in touch with my funny. And improv was a huge part of that because I found the joy of creation and in my own personal excitement. Um, and I was able to find humor that way instead of being acerbic or mocking myself. Now I can talk about my relationship and how ridiculously like like stupid cutesy in love my girlfriend and I are I think we're fucking weird I think we are strange as hell and I love it it's it's a huge part of I think what makes us very very special but if I were to go back to stand up I would talk about all that stuff because we are absurd people we spend a considerable amount of our time 
talking about the emotional state of our guinea pig and how we may or may not be affecting her and who we are with her and treating her as a member of the family. And the fact that the three, she considers us to be guinea pigs and what her daily life goes, goes like. It's absurd and it's stupid. And on the face of it, maybe that doesn't seem as, uh, as a, much of a surefire hit as uh, a bit about uh, how being on the subway can lead to a mental breakdown. But as somebody who likes a good portion of his life, I still have thoughts like that, and I can still access them, and I can still talk about them, but I'm also taking care of myself. I guess what I'm trying to say is the two are not mutually exclusive, and you can and will still be funny even if you start taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally. So don't let comedy be your excuse to remain unhealthy. You can have both Go get both, and don't stop until you have them. Thanks, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. So that's it, folks. That's the Thanksgiving episode. I, I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you got something out of it. Hope you had a great meal, whether you're in a miracle or, or somewhere else, or you're in a miracle. It sounded almost like that's what I was like, in a miracle, um, if you're if you're drugged out and on tryptophan and you want to write me an email anyway, you totally can. MattLiebermanOfficial at gmail.com. Um, and uh, if you haven't gone to iTunes, rate and review the show, it would really mean a lot to me. And it, it makes things a lot easier uh, out here in, in, in these streets, in these streets, as, 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 uh, as, as, as they say. Uh, and hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, boom! Look at that. Two more videos up on the screen. You, you can watch either of those. Um, or, you know, if you're real drowsy and you're, you're turkiful, maybe my voice will lull you into a nice soft sleep. So why don't you uh, hit one of those videos and, and keep on watching the Ask Leaves. I'm Lieberman. I love y'all. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I will see you on Monday. Bye-bye.